everybody, welcome to the Adventist Hoops podcast. I'm here with Union College Warriors head men's basketball coach, Drew Meckelberg. Drew, welcome to the Adventist Hoops podcast. Thanks, Dustin. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Drew, tell us a little bit about your story, where you're from, and your basketball journey that has led you to this point of being the head uh, coach for the men at Union College for the past uh, four or five seasons here. So I uh, have enjoyed athletics my whole life, and uh, I was actually a baseball player growing up, uh, really into baseball and stuff. Uh, as I got into middle school, though, and uh, high school in the Adventist world, baseball isn't as big of a deal, and so basketball was kind of the next step. Um, or the main sport that was available to me. And so I got pretty into basketball uh, in middle school and then high school. Uh, I was basketball player for all four years, not on varsity, um, but part of that's because you wouldn't know it, but my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I was actually five foot two inches. Man, I was going to say, you're you're pretty tall. What, how, how tall are you? Yeah, so I'm six four. Okay. Um, and so then between my sophomore and junior year, I had the growth spurt of ages and uh, went from five, two to five, four in about uh, six, seven months. And, uh, but because of my height, I had to learn how to shoot because I couldn't do a whole lot underneath. So um, I became a shooter and uh, broke a few records at CVA for uh, three point shooting and then came to union a few years later and didn't try out for the team uh, the first few years. But then my last two years, I tried out for the team and, uh, was part of it. And it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. So you're a local homegrown, uh, CVA is college view Academy there in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, yes. And you know, I was, I just saw a video that was talking about Dwight Howard's growth from, I think his freshman to sophomore year. And it was like five, four to, to six, nine or something. Like it was, it was a crazy growth spurt. So, um, that's that's on the extreme extreme side but uh you can relate to that a little bit yeah and, it's, and uh, then, I, I, I paid oh, for ahead. it later on paid for it early on in my life but then it, it i was worried that i all the pain that i went through wasn't going to pay off but it, it did eventually and you ended up playing at union yep so i played two years at union college uh as a shooting guard point guard kind of combo um under ron dodds and then after that went into teaching uh, but I was an assistant for a few years uh, under Ron, and then uh, Aaron Perkypile took over for two years, and I was the head assistant for him. And then Aaron Perkypile stepped down, and I was there, and I took over from there. Talk a little bit about the legacy of Ron Dodds. Uh, you know, I lived in Denver for a few years and have a lot of friends there that played at Union, and they would always talk about him and the figure that he was there at Union College. Talk about his legacy and what he's meant to the Union College. Well, there wouldn't be a Union College basketball program without him. You're 100% right. Uh, Ron Dodds is a figure for men's basketball here and the sports program in general. Um, he is somebody who uh, was a great motivator uh, and all of the quips and things are things that stick with people through life. And I have to be honest, while I would roll my eyes sometimes when he'd use them on me, I use them on my players now. Uh, and it's he really focused on the mental side of the game. Uh, and he also really focused on life. He wanted to teach life lessons through athletics. Uh, and that's something we're trying to carry on the legacy there is teaching life lessons through athletics, uh, giving athletes a safe place 
to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes before they go into the workforce and into the world and become leaders and impact other people. And so now you find yourself as a leader there at Union College. How are you taking that legacy of Coach Dodds and putting your own new spin on it? What have you found that you have done that you experienced as a player that you um, wanted to make sure that your student athletes experience? So I wanted them to experience what I experienced was a strong culture, uh, guys who really cared about each other, uh, genuinely, not just uh, in a cheesy team way, but um, I still have friends for life from there. Uh, hopefully you get to talk to one of the guys. Uh, he helps coach up at Walla Walla, the women's coach, Caleb Allen, shout out Caleb Allen. Uh, he and I were teammates together and he and I still talk all the time. Um, and so just creating great re lasting relationships and memories things that I'll never forget. Um, but in a place where you really care about the people, you're not just there for basketball, uh, you're there for the people. Um, and so that's something that I've wanted to give back to these guys. Um, but then also memories of competing at a high level, you know, not too often do, I mean, somebody, we talk 1% of the world gets a chance to do this, right? And so the ability to compete one last time at a very high level, and then you can go play rec basketball for the rest of your life. But uh, the ability to compete at a high level and organize sport one last time is a memory that these guys will remember forever. Well, it sounds like you've been building something special. I mean, you took over four seasons ago and you're now, uh, you know, to be transparent, I think there weren't as many wins as you would have liked your first few years, but talk about what happened. There's a transformation that happened last year. Um, I've done some research on all of our Adventist colleges, and there's only two men's programs that had winning records last year, Washington Adventist University and Union College. So talk about what has happened over the, over the last season or so that's led to this big change. So I got to give a lot of credit to the players on the team um, for their consistency. That was something that uh, our teams had struggled with in the past where they would play for one or two years and then they would no longer play. And so we found a group of guys that we really poured into and they bought into the system that uh, we were presenting to them. Uh, and they decided that they were going to stick it through all the way. Uh, and so that's been a huge deal. We've been able to develop our players from freshmen to uh, seniors. And even when people maybe weren't getting the playing time that they were expecting, uh, they still trusted that they were getting better and that their time would come. Um, it's actually really been cool to see um i've had managers because we have tryouts each year and the guys who don't make it walk times become managers um so that they can come in and learn and you know maybe throw on their shoes every once in a while um but i have currently now two former managers on the team who have decided i am going to accept my role and i'm going to continue to work until my role gets bigger. And so I've got two guys currently on the team who are used to be managers. And then I also had formerly two freshmen who didn't come in and play as much as they wanted to, but they listened well to coaching. They took direction well, they bought into the system. And one went from a freshman with 20 minutes, maybe total in a season to a starter the next year. And uh, one the year before that same thing, freshman, zero minutes into a starting position just because they bought in. So got to give my coaches and uh, players a lot of credit for believing in the system, buying into it, uh, and then developing as players 
and that has paid dividends over time. And those are characteristics that you want no matter who is a part of your program. I mean, whether it's an assistant coach, uh, manager, one of your star players. I mean, if you have the grit and determination uh, that you're not going to give up and that you're going to pursue it, I mean, that's something out of Rudy. You have a couple of real-life Rudys uh, on your team there. I have to ask you about some specific players because spending time in Denver, I got to know a little bit the, the Essex boys and, you know, uh, Blake Essex was just a kid when I would be around, we'd be playing pickup basketball, but he was always in the gym every week when the adults were playing, he was there and I could just see his development. I, I left, I moved away when he was in middle school, so I didn't get to see him play, but he's now a six, nine man and is a pretty great player. So talk a little bit about Blake Essex. Blake Essex is our Jokic. Um, he sees the floor incredibly well. He is like you said, he's the kind of player you want on your team. Um, he knows how to put the ball in the bucket uh, at a high rate, but he doesn't um, demand that. He has he just carries himself in the right way where it just comes naturally. And we hunt him. We try to find him. Um, but he doesn't get upset when it doesn't work out. Uh, he's got a great head on his shoulders. Um, he is just – he and he obviously – uh, brings a lot of attention, but he doesn't force it when that happens. He makes the right play. He makes good decisions. Um, and, and and you can't teach six, nine either though. So yeah. Uh, well, you is. also, you also can't teach nearly seven feet. And I wanted you also to just talk a little bit about Jan Barasa. I mean, how do you, how do you implement someone that's seven feet tall? <laughs> Jan Barasa, man, he has been a blessing. Uh, I, it's actually a funny story. He was a student over in Africa at Maxwell and we, our chaplain here went over for a visit and he sent me an email with a picture in it. And he said, check out this tall guy. Wouldn't it be funny to have him on the team? And I shot Jan an email and just kind of out of the blue said, Jan, are you interested in coming out to Union college and playing college basketball? And then I got Blake on his trail. You, and international uh, recruiting. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and Jan took a major leap. I mean, that's a huge deal to not know anybody um, and not know where you're going, never meeting the coaches, never meeting anybody. He came over and uh, he'd tell you himself, he, he wasn't the best basketball player, but again, you can't teach seven feet. And so he has come a long way as a basketball player. And I'm actually, we're very excited about his sophomore year here and the developments that he's made. I was going to say he's only had one one season playing competitive organized basketball, I believe, because I know I know a couple of people at Maxwell. I don't think they have a, a team that plays competitively. Um, so that's amazing. And I look forward to seeing his progress this this next year. Um, when you when you think about the level of com, uh, competitiveness, well, actually, let me ask about recruiting since we were on that. Um, when you are looking at a potential prospect, whether they're in high school or college, um, what are the, what are the, what's the main thing? What's the first thing that you look for in someone um, as a player or a person? Uh, I'm going to, I go back to culture. Uh, are they somebody who is willing to buy into kind of like we talked about the process of I'm going to be here to get better and develop. Um, even though somebody might beat me in practice that night, I have to cheer them on and praise them for that while at the same time trying to win the next rep. Okay. So people who have, you know, 
memories of a goldfish where they move on quickly from things, uh, but learn from their mistakes. Uh, and of course, we were looking for great shooters and we're looking for great athletes. Um, but I have said no to a few great athletes because our culture is so important here. Uh, and we really value people who are going to buy into not just coaching, but the people around them into Union College because Union's a little different atmosphere than maybe other places. Um, but it's an amazing place and you just have to buy into it. Uh, so people who are just willing to come in and do those things. And uh, we really, like I said, we really protect our culture uh, and find people who fit that well. What role does finding Adventist athletes play in your recruiting process? Because to be transparent, a lot of our colleges, I, I, I wouldn't say that any of our schools throughout the last few decades have exclusively had Adventist players on their rosters, but it seems like there are a number, increasingly more teams that have maybe more Adventist, more non-Adventist than Adventist. What role or emphasis do you put on trying to recruit Adventist players? Um, yeah, it's not the thing, but it is a big deal. Um, reason being is, uh, I see basketball as a ministry and this is a place, like I said, where we love to teach lessons and help people grow. Um, and not just as people, but in their faith. And so when we, we have a few non-Adventist people on our team, uh, and they're great guys, you know, who knew there's good people who are non-Adventist, <laughs> um, and, but to bring them in and have this uh, Adventist thing around them uh, is a great ministry to them as well, because uh, I had a kid the other day. Uh, he texted me and, hey, man, coach, I don't get this on, but I just need you to pray for me, right? Um, and wow. those kinds of things. I mean, we're only two weeks into school here, and we've got kids already learning about what this is about. Um, and so recruiting admins is a big deal because they can help minister to those who are maybe not from that background. Um, and not that we're trying to fully convert people or anything. We're just trying to teach about, uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Uh, and so the ability for our young men to do that for their own teammates is a big deal. What role does your, academy tournament that union hosts play in kind of seeing what some of the players are like from the regional Adventist academies. That's a huge deal. That's, that's really my one chance to see those players play in person. Um, now that I'm working on campus, I'm hoping I can get chances to see these kids a little bit more. Um, but before when I worked in public school, I, this was my one chance to get to see them. Um, and so it's a huge deal to have these kids on campus, see them in person, because uh, as coaches, we get uh, hundreds of emails every week of here's my highlights. And uh, it's easy to watch highlight clips, but to see somebody, how they are acting in person, how they treat their teammates, how they react to things when they don't go their way. Um, like I said, we've built something special here with our culture and uh, to see that happen in real time is a big deal. So that high school tournament goes a long way for us. You mentioned this is your first year on campus full-time. I don't think I mentioned that this is your first year as athletic director as well, but I wanted to ask you about the highlights that you get sent because I've heard some coaches actually request highlights. Just send me, send me a highlight tape, but I've also heard other coaches say, you know what? 
that's really, okay, I'll just tell you, when I was in high school, I put together a, a highlight tape and I didn't do it digitally with, you know, on a computer editing. I actually played back tapes and pushed record on the VCR. Like it took forever. And I sent it to this coach and he was like, oh man, this is really great. You probably spent a lot of time on this, but I really don't need this. I really need just one half, like send me your best half of, of basketball. Where do you fall on the spectrum of uh, recruiting video? I'm more on that end. Give yeah. give me a half. Um, and highlights are fine. You know, it's, it's fun to see. And uh, it definitely highlights things that you're good at. Um, but what, again, what I'm looking for is how do you play in a team setting? How are you working with your teammates? Uh, and these are also 95, 85, 90% of the time offensive highlights, right? And there's two halves of the game. And so that's another thing that we really try to preach here is the defensive end. Um, and do you know how to play man-to-man? -man? Have you only played zone? Those kinds of things. And I don't hold it against them. It's just things I like to know going into the recruitment process uh, so that I know where we're starting at. Do you, do you find that there's a difference in experience and skill, even if it's mental skill, of Adventist players versus players that may have come from a public school program? Um, currently, no. Uh, we've got some really high-level Adventist basketball players on our team right now that played some AAU. They played some high-level um, leagues. Okay, so a couple guys from Texas, a couple guys in Colorado. Uh, and so they played some high level competition. So, um, but historically, yes, there was some difference. Uh, but I think the Adventist world is catching up a little bit in terms of um, coaching their kids the right way, teaching the right skills. Um, and not that we were ever far behind. I think we've had great athletes. I think it's just that mental side of the game, learning how to play the game the right way. I think they're starting to catch up a little bit. Absolutely. I mentioned that this is your first year as athletic director at Union. So how has that been trying to balance both of these roles? I mean, I'm sure it takes a little bit away from what you're able to do um, as the, the head basketball coach, but how has it been for you? Yeah. Um, so volleyball and soccer season are going right now. And we've got a golf team that's also going out on a meet next week. Um, so they keep me busy. <laughs> um, but, you know, I worked a full-time job before this as a PE teacher, and um, that kept me plenty busy, too. So uh, I've, I've learned the last seven years how to kind of balance finding ways to get basketball in there. Um, and so far, we're still on a good path. Uh, I definitely have spent less time on basketball this year uh, than I would like to, but I know that my time's coming here uh, once some of these other seasons kind of wind down. Uh, it'll be just be basketball season at that point. So uh, I'll get some more chances there to spend more time on basketball. When you think about the overall program that you're in charge of now as at an, for Adventist athletics at Union College, and you think about Adventist athletics across North America, what, what do you think that our schools do athletically I don't really have an answer for this. I'm just kind of, I'm thinking out loud because I guess the reason I'm, I'm putting it this way is that I think that for some people in their mind, going to a top ad athletic program is going to be at a non-Adventist school somewhere. And disregarding 
the talent and scholarship money that's available at like a division one NCAA school and th that sort of thing. What are, what would you say are the things that an Adventist athletic program does better or being at an Adventist school that benefits uh, a person uh, as an athlete and a person, I should say. Sure. Is that a question that yeah. makes any sense at all? I'm just wondering yeah. like, what, what, what do you think our Adventist schools do better than other schools that are out there? Um, so speaking from union service, especially we're a smaller school. Um, and so the attention you can get from professors and coaches is a lot more because you're not a number per se. You recognize a face here because you see the same faces all the time. Um, so I think just the the experience of uh, a personal experience, I guess I would say, is something that Union does really well, and I think that our Adventist colleges do well, um, where you're just you're known, and uh, we're also just real with each other. Uh, at least on our team, we're very upfront, and we don't beat around the bush. We when we're upset, we say we're upset. When we're uh, down in the dumps, we, you know, we try and figure these things out together. Um, and I'm sure, again, I haven't been on other big type of teams, so they still probably have those kinds of things. But I don't know if there's the kind of patience that there might be at a school where we're on a more personal level. We know you as people, not just as basketball players. Um, and so I think that's a good way that we invest into our people. Um, but I also know that coaches everywhere just love their kids. So that's, that's not to say that other schools don't. I just think that's something we might even do a little bit better. I was talking to a high school kid the other day and they were talking about different programs, different levels and everything. And there is something to going somewhere where you can make a difference and where you can actually know everyone around you at, at a very deep level that you might not get in other places. Um, so Anyway, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of great benefits of being at an Adventist school. Um, what advice do you have for some of these players that might be coming to your tournament, uh, to Union's Academy tournament this year, uh, as they are considering playing in college or, or hoping maybe to be able to play in college? What are you seeing that Academy kids could be working on if they want to make that jump to the next level? Great question. Um, so the biggest jump every year that freshmen come to me and say, coach, this is different, is the physicality level. Um, and that is hard to teach, uh, depending on the level that you're playing, just because um, it's bigger, stronger athletes. And so the physicality level is just naturally going to grow. You're also going to see more man-to-man -man defense oftentimes um, at the college level. So I guess what I would encourage kids to do is get faster and stronger. Um, but then also uh, learn different types of basketball, whether it be man, learn just watch the game and not just the NBA highlights or the things that show up on Instagram. Um, hey, find... what's wrong with highlights on Instagram, Drew? I don't know. I think that's <laughs> you know, all right. I'll say you post some good, you post some good <laughs> highlights on Instagram. Uh, just kidding. Absolutely, though, knowing the flow of the game and where you're at um, away from the ball, being able to help defense. Yeah, exactly. Um, just learning more about basketball, because um, I had a friend once who did this. He said, 
you know, on a scale of one to 10, how well, how much do you think you know about basketball? And I would probably guess that most players would say, I know I'm an eight on that. And personally, as a coach, I would probably say I'm around a three or a four, right? Like there's just so much detail and so much depth to basketball that we still have to learn and uncover. Um, and I've spent hours and hours and hours of watching film, breaking it down, not just my team, other team. And you start to recognize things and patterns uh, and it makes you want to go deeper because uh, there's more to find. Uh, so recognizing that maybe you don't know it all and recognizing that you can keep getting better. Um, so just, I guess, staying humble uh, while at the same time having confidence in yourself, playing at a high level and being willing to learn. That, that's a great point because, you know, a lot of our schools are playing zones. They're, they're sitting on, you know, one little spot on the court on defense. They have no idea how to cover a pick and roll in a man situation or how to, you know, break a one, three, one, you know, press, or we mentioned the basketball immersion podcast that we listened to. Uh, and I, I don't know about you, but I, I listen to some of these NBA assistant coaches and they're throwing out terms I've never heard before. I mean, I literally don't know what they're talking about. And it just reminds you that, hey, there's always someone that's going to be, that's going to have more knowledge. So if, take it from, from coach and from me. I mean, if, if you're out there playing at a school, try to, try to expand your knowledge a little bit. YouTube's a great resource to be able to learn what like different coverages and what different defenses are out there and even different offenses so that you can understand, you know, what you might be asked to do more quickly once you get up to the college level. Yeah, learning about basketball vocabulary, what it is to mm. ice screens, what it is to go under, how do you play different coverages, like you mentioned in pick and roll defense. Um, that zone defense isn't just standing in a spot, right? You're it's you're essentially still playing man to man. You're just switching everything, and yeah. so um, learning those things, learning the terminology, um, I think will go a long way. Obviously, you still want to work on your shooting. You want to work on good passing. You want to work on those things. Um, but the big thing I find myself teaching the most at this level is the mental side and mm -hmm. the, how to let's learn about basketball so that when you go out on the floor and you see something, you've seen it before. Yeah. That's great advice. Since we were talking a little bit about strategy just now, I mean, what, how do you utilize your height with, uh, Blake Essex in your offense? What kind of offensive sets, what, where are you getting him the ball on, on the court? So we run a continuity ball screen uh, where the ball is trying to flip the four a lot. And the reason we do that is because we want to keep the help away from Blake. Um, they love to double. They love to uh, dig down. They love to try and poke away at the ball um, whenever he's got it. And so what we've done with that is we've surrounded him with shooters and we teach our guys about spacing so that when the double comes, we're going to trust Blake to make the right decision. Uh, and then our guys are really good at cutting and really, really good at knocking down open shots. Uh, Derek Warren, really high level three point shooter. Garrett Fortney uh, shot almost 38% last year from three. Dan Seto Kemla is an incredible point guard who moves the ball quickly, but then can also knock down open shots. Jaden Gibson, the lefty on the left side there, he'll come down and knock down open shots. So having those kinds of players surround him uh, allows or forces the defense to make a choice. 
Are you going to go one-on-one -on -one in the post with a guy who is much smaller and not as strong as Blake? Or are you going to double and let a 35% three-point shooter shoot from outside? And because of those shooters, you're not seeing zone that much, even though he's a force? Yeah, we don't see it a ton. Uh, so Andrews played a little bit of zone against us last year. Um, we had a few other colleges nearby, but their kind of main set defense is zone. Um, but we've got a zone breaker in Dan Seto Kemo who goes into the high post and he can finish at a high level. And uh, then it's tough to rebound out of his zone too. And Blake will kill people on the offensive rebounds when that happens. So uh, yeah, we don't see a ton of zone, but we will see a little bit, but we got shooters to, we like, I'll split this. We, we love it when people play something against us. Right. Makes it easy inside out open shots. Yeah. What about defensively? What's your philosophy? Uh, I was actually just talking about this, the guys did tonight. Um, so the way I put it is we play team defense. Okay. Uh, oftentimes when I say man to man, especially with guys who are new uh, again, the way that they've learned or, and again, it's not their fault. It's just their thought is I've got to stop my man from scoring. And it's what I always say every year. It's not the man who scores, it's the ball. So we've got to be in help. Uh, and then we work on helping the helper. Okay. So when our shot blockers, Jan, Blake, Braden, when they slide over to help and stop the drive, who's protecting their man, who's there to poke away that ball so that they don't get a layup. Uh, and so rotations behind it, really important. But the main thing we really try to focus on too is transition defense, getting back so that our defense is set. When our defense is set, we're, we're really good at defending. But when we're back and we're in scramble situations, we can still defend at a high level, but it's much, much harder to do when we're doing that in a scramble situation. So we try and stay out of those scramble situations as much as possible. Um, and a lot of that's in transition. How do you find yourself, how do you prevent yourself from getting in that situation where you can't get set? What are the, obviously a long rebound, there's not much you can do about that, but what are some things, preventable situations that, that you try to get better at with your guys? Uh, so we work on how we close out. Um, and there's, it's actually kind of funny in the basketball world right now, there's a divide on how we teach closeouts. Do you get to the ball as fast as you can? or do you chop your feet? Right now we're teaching guys to sprint to the ball and stop in a athletic way. And that's actually been a really uh, positive thing for us. Um, but then we're also trying to teach guys to close out to weak hands, okay? So if we're gonna get beat on a closeout, we want them to drive with their weak hand because nine times out of 10, that's going to be a forced shot or a pass. And so they're not gonna get all the way to the rim and if they do, it won't be as quick or as natural. And our shot blockers behind it can help prevent that. So we teach closeouts to the weak hand uh, or to the strong hand so that they go to their weak hand. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it also allows a more contested shot uh, when they close out to the strong hand. Yeah, you know, there's been chopping the feet on a closeout. It makes sense in theory, but in but in reality, sometimes you got to you got to pull out of that to, you know, your guy's going or, or how are you going to get up to actually contest that shot if he does start shooting it when well, you're down so low? And I would challenge anybody to go out and watch film and find me 10 clips of people actually closing out that way. Yeah. Uh, it just, if they, it just if they are, they're like the golden, 
the golden boy of all or girl of all the coaches out there. Here it is. Here it was. But you're right. I mean, in reality, right. you're watching and people there are, close there are out. There people and who can do that at a high level. And if that is the way that you close out, by all means, go do it. Um, if that's what feels the most athletic and the way that you can get from point to point as quickly as possible. Um, but we we have found that one out of 50 of our guys are really can do that at a high level. Yeah. And so we'll teach, get there as fast as you can and stop in an athletic way so that you can stay with the ball as they drive. If we're talking about perennial no-nos or things that you should do that are starting to change, what do you think about jump passes? Leaving your feet to make a pass. Cause that's always the cardinal rule. You don't do that. Uh, you know, um, I guess here's what I'll say. Uh, if you are making a, a right read and there's, just that's just the way you can get the ball there. I'm for it. But nine times out of 10, it's a, I'm in trouble and I got to get rid of this ball. And so uh, like, if it works out, I won't say anything, but you do it at your own risk because if it doesn't, you'll probably hear about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. One, one more traditional teaching and that is on a pick and roll screener. Are they opening up to the ball? Or are they turning their back and just diving to the basket? So it depends on the coverage. Um, so we're going to teach the coverage. So if a defender is going to go over the screen, then we're going to dive immediately um, and force the screener's defender to make a choice between the ball handler and the roller. If they get caught on the screen or go under, then we're going to turn up and open Seal up and, and, the ball and slide down, yeah. box them out and then go with it. Yeah. yeah. So okay. we coach it again. A lot of what we do here is based on reads and decision-making. Uh, I think that's, I would hope that that's what some of these guys would say. We harp on the most is decision-making. Uh, we coached a lot of decision-making. Um, you mentioned playing Andrews. How special has it been in your experience as a head coach to be able to coach against other Adventist colleges? How important is that, do you think, for Adventist basketball to have those matchups? I don't think it's necessarily critical, but I think it's special. Um, I think our programs still work uh, without it, but the ability in the same way that we have our high school tournaments, you see relationships built even over just a few days um, and friendships that are made. I know that a lot of our guys uh, know quite a few guys from the Andrews team or the Southwestern team. And while they probably aren't best friends, if they saw him in person, they would talk to him. They'd say, hey, what's up? Um, and that connection of that Adventist background, I think, goes a long ways. And so I, it's a very special and surreal time when we do get to do that. Um and I think the three of us, the three of our teams, especially, we've done just a really nice job of competing at a high level, but keeping it, understanding the bigger picture um, and that it's not about who is the best team here, who's better than who, whatever. It's uh, it's about the relationship, the memories, uh, and just the honor to play basketball in Adventist school. All right. What do you think? Adventist Hoops Super Tournament maybe like 2025, I put it together, is is Union going to come? <laughs> you know what? If it's put together, we would certainly take a look. 
well, I am not signing up for that right now. I'm just, how cool would that be though, to have all the colleges get together for, for a big tournament? I think that'd be cool. I would want to see that. Um, you know, real quick, uh, I forgot to ask you earlier, talk about the athletic association that union plays in and how it relates to other uh, associations out there. Sorry, you broke up a little bit. Uh, talk about the athletic association that union plays in and how it relates or compares to other associations that are out there. Are you talking about ACCA? Yes, Sorry, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, ACCA actually reminds me a lot of a union tournament experience where um, we'll play a few of the teams throughout the year, basically some of the ones who are closer. Um, but then what it gives opportunity for is teams from across the country who maybe don't get to play in their own end of season tournament or aren't a part of a NAIA type of thing. Um, they come together and have this kind of Christian community. Um, and what does and it stand for? Again, it's uh sorry association of christian college athletics okay um and i'm actually really excited about this year's tournament it's going to be held up in minneapolis uh and it it lines up with the nccaa the national christian college athletic association national tournament and the idea behind it is that the teams who don't make the national tournament can then still plan to go up there and treat this as an nit sort of situation mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And so we're we're really hopeful uh, that we might have a pretty big turnout this year uh, up there at Faith Lutheran Baptist College, Bible College. It's exciting! It's exciting to have a end of year tournament like that. That that is that is really great. Yeah, something to look forward to. Well, listen, Drew, I uh, just have one more question for you, and it just is: What has basketball given to you uh, over the course of your life? Uh, it's given me a lot of memories. It has taught me a lot of life lessons. Um, it's given me a chance to be mentored um, from people who I really respect. Uh, but then also it's given me a chance to give back um, and have my have a ministry that uh, I believe that I believe in um, and also that I'm passionate about. Uh, I think that's something that's really cool about athletics is, when used appropriately and used with the right platform, it truly is a ministry and it truly is a way to build and grow leaders. And I can speak for myself that that happened for me. Um, and I'm really excited for the guys we have coming up here where I'll be sad that they're going to leave, but the things that they're going to do past here will be way bigger than basketball. Um, but I'm excited to hear about how basketball shaped some of those experiences for them. And that's, that's what gets exciting for me. That is awesome. Well, Drew, thank you so much. Really rooting for you for this next season uh, at Union College and uh, nothing but the best for you for this next year. Thanks, Dustin. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, love what you're doing and excited to see more and hope we can continue to grow the game uh, within the Adventist realm.